the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. The Ohio State Buckeyes opened the season on Saturday night against Notre Dame. And you might see a play that is often run once or twice a game. You can't use it too much. Uh, The double reverse. Uh, The double reverse is an effective play to run in football because uh, it gets the defense going one way and the ball carrier then goes the other way. The old double reverse. It sometimes can go for a touchdown. But sometimes, sometimes, if the defense is ready, uh, they can trap the ball carrier in the backfield for a huge loss. Uh, the latter scenario is what happened on Sunday when when Tim Ryan, Democratic gubernatorial uh, Democrat, I, I, I probably foreshadowed Tim Ryan's uh, political future because after he runs for Senate and loses to J.D. Vance, he'll probably try to be governor because, you know, getting a job in the real uh, economy would not be for a man like Tim Ryan. Uh, no, he was on CNN with Dana Bash on Sunday, and he tried. He tried his favorite play, the old verbal double reverse, where he refuses to answer a question. Only Dana Bash, uh, like a blitzing linebacker, did not fall for the fakery. She just persisted in asking the question. And the question she was asking about, pretty simple question. I mean, the Democrats are all energized by the overturn of Roe versus Wade, right? So abortion, hope to get the Democrats out to the polls in droves, the young women, the birthing people, got to get them out to the polls to vote so they can kill babies indiscriminately without any restrictions. Dana Bash wanted to know from Tim Ryan, what kind of restrictions do you, Tim Ryan, Catholic Tim Ryan, uh, support when it comes to abortion? Seems like a pretty reasonable question to me. Seems like a question that uh, really shouldn't require too much uh, thinking. Uh, But you could tell Tim Ryan was uh, trying to duck and dodge the blitzing linebacker and do anything he could except answer a very simple question. What restrictions, if any, do you believe there should be on abortion? Oh, boy. Do I have to answer this? Man. Well, ultimately, this needs to be a decision between the woman and her doctor. And, of course, we don't support abortion at the end of term unless, of course, Mm. there is an extraordinary circumstance Mm. where, you know, you're eight months into a pregnancy and something very tragic is happening in that pregnancy where you, 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 you know, you, you have a room, you, you've bought toys, you have clothing for the baby, everyone's excited, you mm. know, and then something tragic right. happens. Mm-hmm. That needs to be left up to the doctor, not to J.D. Vance or Tom Cruise or anybody Here else. Comes well, the but as a, very serious situation. But as a legislator, you, you have to have some... <laughs> 
idea of what you want to do when you're not a doctor. So should there be some restrictions when it comes to the law of the land? Now, Ryan is thinking, I'm on CNN. What are you doing asking me this? Well, you ultimately, I think the, the decider has to be the woman and her doctor. We can't account for every so single that means, scenario. It sounds like you're really, saying no restrictions. The, the extre- oh, don't make me say that, Dana. Come on, man. Come on. Well, I think there no one's supporting abortion towards the end. Absolutely. Then say that. Then say we support abortion up to whatever. Say it. So he paints the heart-tugging scenario that you're in your eighth month of pregnancy and you have the nursery painted and you got the little pillows just in the corner and the mobile is hanging over the crib and it plays music and it's just awesome. Like, we've all been there. I've been there. It's amazing, right? And your worst scenario as a father, as a mother, as grandparents, as siblings, is that something would happen to the baby. Now, that's a horrible situation, and no one would argue that that's a horrible situation. Is that an applicable to most abortions scenario? Is that how most abortions occur? You're in like the eighth month, and oh, I'm sorry. Something's horribly, terribly wrong with the baby, and uh, your life's in danger, and we're going to have to abort the child. Is that the scenario that applies to most abortions in the state of Ohio? Okay, no. That's a no. How many cases in the state of Ohio do you think that scenario applies to? Do you think it applies to enough scenarios that it would be a realistic problem, a realistic predicament, a realistic heart-wrenching situation? For Tim Ryan to refer to it in a question about his policy position on abortion, would it happen so often that it would be something that he, as a presumed legislator, would want to cover with the law of the land? Would it happen often enough that it would be worth his time as a senator to craft a policy around what should be allowed in a scenario where you are eight months pregnant, the nursery is all set, you are ready can't wait. The baby could come any day, and then you find out something about the baby that would require a law to justify you ending that pregnancy to save the life of a mom. Is that something that applies? No, that is not something that applies. And so this is indicative of the fact that Democrats like Tim Ryan want to use the overthrow of Roe versus Wade in order to motivate people to go out to the polls and vote. Now, look, the law in the state of Ohio when it comes to abortion is if a heartbeat is detected, you can't abort the child. Now, I would I would absolutely go out and support any candidate who supports that policy. You may feel differently, and you are entitled to feel differently. And if you do feel differently, then you have the opportunity to exercise your preference in a candidate. And then we will tally up the votes. And then we will see where the collective will of the people of the state of Ohio is. But what you certainly are also entitled to as a voter of the state of Ohio is to know what the position will be of the candidate whose box you check on the ballot. And so J.D. Vance has been very clear about his position on abortion is that he is against it in all cases. You can disagree with it, but at least you know where he stands. Tim Ryan wants to fudge the issue and paint fanciful scenarios that do not apply to the overwhelming majority. Is it 1% of pregnancies in the state of Ohio that fit that scenario that Tim Ryan painted? Even 1%. Not even close. Is it a half a percent? Also, 
Not even close. In fact, I would say you would be hard-pressed in a calendar year to find 20 cases in the state of Ohio that would fit the scenario that Tim Ryan is painting for you. But Tim Ryan does not want you to think about this logically. He does not want you to think about it. He does not want to be hemmed in by his answer. And so he tried everything he could to avoid answering that question. And he didn't even want to own the position that he now says he has, which he did not own or say that he had, when he was on special report with Brett Baer a few months ago. He kept filibustering and pontificating and opening his mouth and wah, 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 was coming out, but nothing definitive was coming out. And Brett Baer's like, sounds to me like, you want no restrictions on abortion. If that is your position, he doesn't even say, I don't support abortion near the end of term. He says, no one wants to see. Of course, no one wants to see. Well, tell me, Tim Ryan, if I'm going to give you my vote, what is your position? Own your position. But he is a coward. He is a fraud because he masquerades as something he is not, and he refuses to answer questions about an issue that, by his own admission, he says, is a key issue for Democrats, not just in the state of Ohio, but nationally, right? They're all trying to rally the base around Roe versus Wade. Oh, they're taking away your right to an abortion. Well, in some states, they are. God bless those states. And in other states, they are not. California, New York, I can only imagine the kind of faith revival that would have to occur for California and New York to become anti-abortion states. I would love it, but it's not realistic. So there will always be in this nation, because evil abounds everywhere, there will always be an opportunity to kill your child in the womb for your own personal convenience. It's more deplorable that he won't answer the question than the position that he has. And the position that he has is plenty deplorable because he supports, what he will not tell you is, he supports abortion as a matter of convenience. As a matter of convenience, he supports abortion. And so I would find more honor in him just saying that. Even if he said, look, I used to be pro-life, and he did, he used to be pro-life, then he realized, oh, I can't get any Democratic funding if I'm a pro-life Democrat because... Pro-life Democrats are like pink unicorns. They don't exist. In my never-ending quest to get Tim Ryan um, blown out in the Ohio Senate race, uh, here's a tweet from the uh, wannabe Republican. He wants to be a Republican in your mind because he knows it's the only way he'll get elected in a state that went increasingly for Donald Trump in 2020 after going for him in 2016. Uh, Ryan's tweet today. I never saw a guy... Uh, I will get. I will give him the uh, credit of being a uh, shameless beggar. He tweets results of a poll that have J.D. Vance at 45%, Tim Ryan at 42%, and he tweets, Ryan does, the GOP is massively outspending us. On the airways. That's interesting since you had, the last time I checked, $9 million in your campaign coffers and J.D. Vance had two. Do you see more J.D. Vance commercials on TV or more Tim Ryan commercials on TV? 
So, I know, shocker, Tim Ryan is not telling you the truth in his Twitter feed. The GOP is massively outspending us on the airwaves. And a brand new poll. He doesn't cite the poll because, of course, then you'd look it up and it might not be what he says it is. A brand new poll shows me slipping. Three points behind J.D. We need your help ASAP to get things back under control before it's too late to recover. And so it is, of course, him begging for more of your money. More of your money. Give it to Tim Ryan. I mean, after all, in 20 years in Congress, he did get three or four post offices. I lost track because he's so prolific at it. Uh, I lost track of how many post offices he got renamed in his two decades in Congress. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Now, uh, do you watch the um, financial shows on TV or catch special report or the news? What is something they all do? They all do it at least one time during the day. They update you on the stock market, right? They update you on the S&P 500 and on the NASDAQ. They make sure that you know what's going on with the stock market in your country because that's probably where your 401k is and all that. Uh, Well... If you, say, want to invest in a NASDAQ index fund, which the NASDAQ is uh, your Apples, your uh, companies like that. It's like not the traditional blue chip stocks like back in the day, General Electric, uh, West, you know, places like that. Okay. So the NASDAQ uh, is now um, requiring... Companies that want to be listed on its index to have a minimum, (laughs) I can't even like say this without laughing, it's so stupid, a minimum of two minorities on the corporate board of any corporation that wants to be listed on the NASDAQ. Citing slow progress toward board diversity, NASDAQ it has uh, proposed Rule 5606F, I guess that's the letter grade it got, which requires that companies whose stock is traded on the exchange have diverse board members or disclose why their board is not diverse. Uh, the SEC approved that rule earlier this month, and it has been heralded, of course it has, uh, as a significant step toward corporate equality and a boon to investors calling for social reform. Now, I suppose I'm an investor because, you know, I have a retirement account, several of them. I have a pension from some past jobs. Um, I've never been concerned with uh, corporate equality or social reform. You know what I've been concerned with? Return on my investment. That's what I'm concerned with. And so, uh, this policy that is uh, lauded by Reuters, uh, writing about it under the headline, NASDAQ's board diversity, inclusivity is good business. Inclusivity is good business. Uh, Do you know what is good business? Competence. Competence is good business. Knowing how to manage your costs knowing how to inspire your employees, knowing how to produce uh, great services or a fantastic product at a price that consumers will deem to be uh, worth that price. That is good business. Competence. Competence. Not 
diversity. Uh, allow me to give you uh, several examples of why diversity is not necessarily good business. Uh, here's example number one. This is something that the Federal Reserve is going to, we don't want to step on, um, huh? you know, what the Federal Reserve is going to do. Huh? Our goal is to uh, to keep bring down inflation without sacrificing uh, the historic uh, and life-changing economic gains that we have seen uh, this country has made over the last 18 months. She's reading and, now. And, you know, as Powell said, reading. Uh, uh, as Powell also said, the economy continues to show strong underlying momentum. We have regained all of the jobs lost during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the labor market, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, you know, consumers are spending, as I said, what businesses are, are investing and what American I industry is producing. You continue to see the resiliency in our uh, in, in our economy. And that's what matters. Ah, that's what matters. OK, very good. That's example number one of why inclusivity is not good business. Would you like uh, example number two? for student loan forgiveness. We haven't gotten a concrete answer from the administration yet. Well, let's start with this. First of all, uh, <laughs> a lot of the same people who are criticizing what we rightly did in following through on a commitment that we made um, to forgive student loan debt uh, are the same people who voted for a tax cut for the richest Americans. Who did what? Who did what, Kamala? Voted. She didn't answer the question. No. But she said uh, the people complaining are people who, eh, what was that word, uh, voted. People who voted for a tax cut. See, when you vote on a law, on a new policy, that is lawful. That is how we do things in the United States government, is we have a representative republic where people represent the voters and they vote. And Kamala does not know that. Because in explaining why it's okay for them to cancel student debt with just Joey Biden's addled stroke of a pen, she equates the president unilaterally spending more money without congressional approval than any president in the history of our country. She equates it to a vote, a <laughs> vote on a tax cut where somebody writes a bill and they read it, and they debate it, and then whoever proposed it first votes on it, House or Senate, and whoever didn't propose it votes on it second. And then if it passes both chambers of Congress, then it goes to the president's desk, and he signs it, then it becomes a... Come on, law. Kamala. What? Thank you, Pam knows. I don't think Kamala knows. A law. So, if you want to know why inclusivity is not good business... It's because inclusivity has given you a press secretary who cannot answer the most rudimentary question without leafing through her binder and finding it written down for her, and a vice president, one heartbeat away from being the leader of the free world, may the Lord above help us if that ever becomes the scenario, who does not know the difference between an unconstitutional executive order and the lawful process through which something becomes proposed, approved, and signed into law. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.